Hey guys, Ben Tringrove here. Welcome back to another episode of On the Human Source Codex with co-host Kelly Stewart. In today's episode, Kelly and I go a bit deeper into the topic of a, the precursor to goal setting. This is a, a subject that very uh, it's a very small amount of people that really touch on what's needed before even dumping in, jumping into the, the goal setting aspect of our life. You know, if we're stuck going around life with a, high, a lot of emotions or in a high polarized state, we're going to create fantasies or we're going to create goals in a highly optimistic state, which of course is going to attract the nightmare. And uh, this is when we're going round and round in circles. And it's why so many people hate to do goal setting and sit down and reflectively look at their goals because they don't actually know how to do it. So in this episode, Kelly and I go much deeper into what's required before even sitting down to do goal setting and uh, everything that you need to look at. So we'll cue the theme song and we'll get into it. So the big question is this, how do truth-seeking entrepreneurs like us sift through the gurus and teachers that persuade us through hype by promoting half-truths? How do we as inspired individuals raise our awareness so we can access ever greater levels of achievement and fulfillment? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Ben Trimgrove and welcome to the Human Source Codex with co-host Kelly Stewart. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Human Source Codex with myself and beautiful Kelly. So today we're going to um, dive into a topic of what I call the precursor to goals. This is a this is a subject that Kelly and I have already kind of gone quite deep into one of our in one of our other episodes. So if you want to kind of jump back to that, but goal setting is one that really keeps so many people um, stuck. And like we said in, the, in other episodes, because they'll set fantasies um, or things that are just not realistic to who they are. So, but the other day, Kelly, you kind of said to me as I was working with a client, um, giving me some feedback like, hey, you know, they're just not ready for goal setting yet. And we, uh, you know, I kind of questioned you around that and go, you know, what, what do you kind of mean? And that's when you alluded to, or let's do a podcast on it so others, others can get value. So what, what did you kind of mean in regards to, okay, no, th- those people or, or those clients or whoever just not are ready for goal setting yet? Morning, Ben, and uh, thank you for introducing me as the beautiful Kelly, considering that we just had a little challenging discussion before we jumped on this podcast. Oh, I love uh, it. <laughs> so it is, is uh, I love the fact that you just polarised me straight into beautiful Kelly, right, so that I can't be an arsehole, but you know. No, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I am all things to all people. Um, thanks for that. Okay, precursor to goal setting. Now, in the construct of this, um, I know that the specific clients that you're talking about, uh, they weren't quite ready for goal setting because there's so much chaos happening within their sphere of awareness, within their life, and they weren't really clear on what their axiology was. So the precursor to goal setting is to truly understand and know from a heart space level and a soul space level what your axiology is and what your teleology is. So your axiology is your values that is driven by voids of the things that you perceive that you don't have, which is actually pulled forward from your telos, which is your vision, mission and calling. 
So when a person has clarity in they know what those two aspects are, then we can go ahead and start to actually uh, unpack the chaos. And when we're going into unpacking the chaos, it's about integration work. And if there is so much chaos or fog in the mind, then goal setting is not really going to be at the forefront. We need to be able to bring the, the mind back into a state of equilibrium yeah. and, and reduce the chaos into some kind of order. So the, the, the first two aspects are of starting that is to really understand what your axiology is and your teleology. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, a, and a good example um, to this, Kelly, is, is you're privy to it as well. And those listening, you know, when I come back from uh, Bali to home in Christchurch, New Zealand, and helping dad with some um, business-related things and, and systems and, and where it's going because it's a bit all over the place, is that I, I inherently kind of knew like, okay, I would sit down with him and say, well, okay, what's top of mind for you? What's, because I knew that I wouldn't have his attention to sit down and, and set something objectively to go through and plan. First, I needed to diminish and I needed to bring some brain noise and chaos in the mind to go, okay, well, let's get these areas sorted first, whether it be an employee can't get on the truck today or you know, something, some things that are just going to distract him, especially if he can't kind of quote unquote compartmentalize something. Um, so I think that's what you're referring to also as far as um, whether someone's not ready for goal setting. If they're really polarized in the mind in an emotional aspect, then they're not going, well, it's going to be very difficult to sit down and objectively plan because this noise is running in their brain. Oh, I've got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, so to speak. Is that, is that accurate? In some form, yes, um, and in some form, no. As we know that all, all aspects have two sides to it and you're looking uh -huh. for a finite answer, which you know you're not going to get from me. And it, it's understanding in the moment that what is occurring in, in, a, in times of a person that's scattered in consciousness or scattered in their thinking processes or has chaos in their thinking processes. And, and the first place to look at it is, is that what part of the, the actual functional brain that is, is not in work at that time, which is the prefrontal cortex. And so that's where the visionary aspects or objectivity or forward thinking actually comes from in, um, in the, the frontal cortices. Now, if a person is so scattered and is overwhelmed with so many aspects of life and business that they can't see the wood for the trees for the lack of a better word, is that they're really operating from a self-preservation state of being. And that's in the limbic system or like the, the lower parts of the, the survival brain, right? So they're, they're reactionary. They're not actually in response. So they're reacting to, to everything that is happening around them as, as opposed to responding in a way that is objective, thought out, and, and being able to actually like see a way forward. So it's really coming to the understanding of what's happening inside of a person's um, neurophysiology if, if they are unable to see the wood for the trees, for example. Mm. So how would, for, for kind of those listening then, and, and let's just say don't have, aren't currently accessing a, a mentor or a coach, so to speak, what would you recommend in the sense of... Um, 
a bit like a system like is there a feedback system that they can kind of jump into or look 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 to listen to whatever depending on how intuitive they are to go okay i'm ready to do some planning or what advice would you give to someone then to even know uh you know whether they're ready the first aspect is to understand the feedback mechanisms that we have as a human being in our human existence or our human condition is that uh, we have physiological feedback, which is the first form, which is, you know, we get stress, we get um, scattered mind, we get, uh, you know, overwhelm, which is, which is physiological. And then the second one is psychological, which we could take the scattered mind and we could look also go back to the first one, which is we can become depleted in energy that we can't think. And then we go back to the second, which is psychology. We can't think clearly, yes? And then we have the third one, which is normally staff start to actually tell us or family start to actually tell us or friends start to actually tell us that um, there is an imbalance that is occurring. That's also called like social feedback. So friends, family, and, you know, let's say staff start to actually give us the yes. feedback. Things are not working. And then the third, the fourth one is, which we all don't really want to have happen, which is what we call theological feedback or Murphy's Law, where the universe comes and bitch slaps you. And that's either in the way of some kind of catalysm event, an accident, an injury, uh, deep sickness, or we go into entropy in the highest form, physical body or business. So business breakdown, body breakdown, or relationship breakdown. So you can see that there is a succession from the first three that will, if you accumulate those three, you'll get a big one. Mm. So wisdom is to actually look at, you know, what is the feedback that you're getting, be able to integrate it at that stage of emergence and to be able to nip it in the bud to bring back to a state of equilibrium. Now in mm. the state of equilibrium is where we have the flow effect happening, where we're actually integrating the prefrontal cortex the hippocampus and the limbic system. So all three areas of the brain are actually then integrated, which means that they're all connected, they're all firing at the same time, and they're all sending messages to each other. And therefore it's a complete flow. So we can call this the flow, um, the flow consciousness or the flow effect. And it opens up our visionary cortex to be able to see a way forward, right? Then there's a step beyond that, but we'll go into that a little bit. So the wisdom is to understand in terms of your feedback, where you are, and if you can't ask yourself the questions or be able to do the integrative work, then wisdom would be to have uh, a consultant or a mentor uh, be able to actually facilitate you through that process and bring awareness to that what is occurring so that you can learn how to access this state of flow yourself. Yeah. I perfectly see it. There's one thing that you had mentioned or a couple of things and I hadn't quite connected before in the sense that could we say that Murphy's law fits into the the, the fourth feedback? It might not be at the level of um, body really breaking down or relationship breakdown, but when, when something happens in Murphy's law of like three, three or four, like, oh, this has happened today, this, 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 it really slams you. Is that the, what you're just discussing in terms of that fits into the theological feedback, Murphy's Law, number four. Not what quite. Well, can you give me a little bit more context on what you're trying okay. to ask the question? Okay. So, like for, so for example, um, 
say I have staffing issues of something, it's like, you know, one, the first thing that um, someone calls in sick. And the second thing is um, some, one of my staff members damages something or of a product that they're delivering. And then the third thing is someone crashes a truck or something and delivering something. They're all relating to do with, let's just say, staff. We call that Murphy's Law, that you wouldn't usually have those three pop up to then go, okay, shit, there's something happening here. Well, there's a deeper layer of metaphysical components that we could drop in on top of that. But if you come back to the first form where we have physiological feedback, we want to ask the question. If you have staff members that are not turning up to work and uh, we have this law of reflection and transparency, right? And we, let's circle all the way back to why I didn't actually preset. Uh, we, we have a precursor to goal setting, right? So... Let's just circle all the way back to there for a minute. And we're, yep. we're just going to unpack it from that point. And then I want you now to bring in the law of reflection and transparency, which means that anything that we haven't integrated or learned to love or actually installed within our own system, which is bringing into your system with full awareness and owned it, loved it, integrated it, understood its, its purpose, is going to continue to actually give you feedback on the outside, right? So, and our physiology, our physiology is giving us feedback in the way that if we have resentment in that moment, let's just use the, the analogy of a staff member not turning up, right? If we have resentment in that moment, there's a direct reflection inside of you that there's something that you haven't integrated or loved that they're doing or not doing, right? So, in the aspect of where we started here today, I'm going to look at the precursor to goal setting. That if we're starting a business, we also have steps and processes and goals in the way that we're actually going to scale a business, right? So first of all, we start off with one person in a business with their axiology understood that they want to bring a mission and vision and value to be of service to humanity in some form. So therefore, a business is created. And then eventually over time, we want to be able to grow to a point that we need to be able to create staff, right? To come in, to be able to um, delegate certain things in a business, to have a business scale and grow. This is systems theory. Now, in the aspect of this, the reflection and transparency of first law of feedback, if the founder, the CEO of that so-called business that's about to grow is not clear in their axiology and teleology, they will hire people that are not clear in theirs. Mm -hmm. So therefore, and regardless of blue collar, white collar, doesn't matter. Exactly. Therefore, there is an incongruence that, but it's it, in their mind, it'll be incongruent. And it is because it's a perfect feedback to let you know the very thing that you haven't loved within yourself or taken in or integrated within yourself. So therefore they continue to hire people without congruent axiology that fits those certain roles within the business. So therefore they, they keep getting feedback within that, that there is an incongruent, disequilibrated, imbalanced perception on the way that these people have been hired or brought into the business. So bringing that into awareness is that, like I remember, we circled all the way back to the beginning and we have to look at cause and effect and then to be able to put objective uh, visions and actions into place to grow, right? But most people don't do that. 
they just go along without any thought construct or understanding of what's happening. They just hire the very first person that comes along because there's a void in the business that is challenging them. And then they continue to get the feedback of that, yeah. which yeah. is trying to awaken them to that they are not incongruent or you haven't actually not communicating in their values or the business is not enough value to them. So, you know, that is really the true element. But if you can go back to true cause and effect, it's, it's going all the way back to looking at getting clear in your axiology as yourself as a CEO or founder of the business. Mm. And, and, and for those kind of listening, everything that you, you just said, um, for sure, I can, I'm, can seem overwhelming because it's kind of like, well, where the fuck do you start? And I think that's why having, it's not necessarily... Um, Sometimes it's the flawed thinking of like, do I hire a coach or a mentor that's achieve what I want to achieve? It's I think maybe a wiser question is, do they have an overview effect of seeing how everything can can and is connected? Because um, from you know just because someone has achieved something in let's just say consulting or, or a business standard um, doesn't mean that they they are empowered around the mind or the body aspect like you could have someone very successful in business but very overweight and unhealthy so again it's it's kind of coming down when you choose a mentor or a coach how are they how are they um how do they show up in life so to speak you know this is when that this whole holistic approach kind of shows up but one and, and another example of how this at least showed up for me today as an example was you know, I started my morning, had a, a black coffee as I usually do. Then I had a conversation with someone that was um, a bit challenging to me. So not only am I now um, putting a little bit more pressure on my uh, adrenal glands, heading more into a bit of fight and flight, then I decide to have another coffee around lunchtime, which is really pushing my body, well, I can feel it, to this uh what kind of energy would you call it, Kelly? Like, like, um, frenetic. frenetic energy. You know, I can feel that with my body. And now I kind of have the awareness oh, it's not just perhaps the black coffee, it's also because I was challenged. Now, then the wisdom goes, okay, well, I'm stepping more into a, into a fear self preservation mode. And what can you do in that? You're not in the prefrontal cortex, you can't properly think objectively. And this is when things start to or can spiral out of. I'll just call it spiral out of control. So this is where the real wisdom lies and and having that mentor or coach consultant that does have the real overview effect and a bit like the downloads Kelly's been talking about because if if you do polarize an area, in any area, then you're going to get these feedbacks. Um, And that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned on my journey over the last one to two years is to bring all those up in harmony. together well the laws of nature you know like nature is wanting to abhor a vacuum which is to bring equilibrium to everything or wants to maintain homeostasis or balance so if we it's to me it's so simple you know is that everything that is you're working towards is working towards balance and but the complex complex component behind it is is finding the knowledge to to get to simplicity and also everything in the universe is wanting to actually lead back to you know simplicity and so we have maximum complexity which comes to maximum simplicity which is maximum complexity is where we don't have all the knowledge and we have all these missing parts and we have these voids that we want to fill 
and the knees, etc. And then once we've actually gone on our journey, as we do, and we fill all these voids, we integrate all these parts, then that section is done, which comes, which then becomes all oh, that simple, right? <laughs> we know it becomes a knowing. And then that's, that's a universal construct, right? Make nature recording a vacuum, trying to get you to balance things out, to come back to one-to-one -one ratio, simplicity, one over infinity, infinity over one. And so bringing that into awareness is knowing what is actually occurring in any given moment. Now, you know, like I've been doing this for 20 odd years, so it comes, it's second nature. What is nature to me now is that any time that I get to my first form of feedback, physiological, I'm like, okay, great. Thank you. Now I have something to work on, right? A mother nature is giving me a feedback, which is giving me the opportunity to actually grow myself. It's, it's here to grow my wisdom. And so the physiological feedback that I'm labeling as challenging or bad or, you know, discomfort or sickness or disease or whatever, um, I will not allow myself to actually stay in that victim mentality of that. Because the moment you go there, you start to actually spiral deeper and deeper into the scattered mind and you go further and further into polarity. So you're moving away from center. But yeah. the moment you take ownership in it and say, thank you, now I've got something to work on, bring it, right? You embrace it. You realize that it's part of nature. You realize that it's a growth aspect. You are actually stepping into the mastery aspect and taking ownership of self-actualization in your life. Mm. And there's something and important there. You're, you, you are actually riding the spiral upwards in ascendance towards the one-to-one -one ratio of unicity in equilibrating and integrating the polarities. The other way, you're riding the spiral backwards into entropy, into polarization, away from centropy. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned mentioned before the word uh, knowledge. Um, you know, if someone lacks at least the the comprehension or the the awareness of knowledge of feedback, because you'll say physiology, right? Now, if someone isn't aware that there is this, um, you know, psychosomatic connection between mind and body, well, what will happen is if they if they go, um, oh, I've got this cramping in my in my in my side. Well, they'll either usually go to what did I do for exercise or maybe what did I eat, right? Whereas if you do not have the awareness to go, no, it wasn't those two, it's something else in mind and you don't have the knowledge, then you're more disempowered to identify cause and effect, right? Which is a huge part in having more of a overview effect to your life if you're, gonna, if you're wanting to empower your life. I think that's such a key point. Very much so. And I know that that can sound very complex in, in um, interpreting uh, the psychophysiological aspects of what the feedback is. And I don't expect you know, everybody to know those particular things, but it is available to you to be able to tap into that because what, what actually you know, harms the body can also heal the body.
as well. You yeah. have the direct experience to be able to integrate and bring healing to your own body without having oh. to, to utilize outside sources, you know, pills and all those particular things. But mm. yet uh, most people, you know, it, it comes down to belief systems really. And uh, looking at where your first belief systems actually come, what, what's the cause of those belief systems? And then specifically asking questions around that, not just being told what to think, start to think how to think and start to ask questions around uh, anything and everything. You know, I'm an eternal philosopher and eternal philosophers basically stay in the question. Mm. You just go sit on a, sit on a mountain and... <laughs> <laughs> and question until the, the sun sets and the, then the sun rises again there's a <laughs> well, well we could we, we could definitely do that but it's being present in the moment to what is and i think we've gone off tangent again then as we do going further away from from um, the precursor to goal setting right so again it comes back to what is most important to you right in your mission vision and calling and then how are you going to choose to be the operator or, the, or the, the driver in your own life? With what kind of information can you actually bring in to be able to, to give you the highest source of energy to, for you to be able to live a fulfilling life and be here and do what you want to do, right? So yeah. it's, it's really understanding that your, your physiological feedback is simply letting you know that you have an imbalanced perception and you're moving away from your axiology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and again, if, if, for those that... If you, and if you don't know what your axiology is, you're going to keep moving, you're going to keep getting the feedback and the chaos until somebody wakes you up to bring you back to it. Yeah. And this is when, um, you know, when Kelly and I discuss axiology and, and we have discussed it in previous episodes, if you want to go back and listen to it, but it's essentially, uh, even, even from people respected uh, coaches, consultants in the marketplace, there's so many people that miss this crucial con concept of what does your life demonstrate rather than what do you want? Because they're two extremely different things. One is what is actually showing up as true in your life? What are you showing action towards that you do? And there's a set of questions that, you know, Kelly and I both have to identify your axiology. And then if you've got people that send your way and go, you know, sit down, really visualize, what would you love? Although that's part of the process, it's, if it's a total fantasy, that's not an actuality of who you are and what you're about. This is when goal setting uh, massively gets polarized, you know, you know, especially when you sit down and do goal setting in an elated state, you're going to set goals in a shorter amount of time. And when you don't achieve it, you're going to beat yourself up, which is going to birth shame. Right. And then if you set goals in a, we'll call it a, in, in a, in a down state or feeling uh, less than you're going to set goals that are too long, too further away from what you can actually achieve. But that's in my experience, it's very rare that someone sets goals in that state. It's usually a, a later state that someone will set goals right depends on the person you know and it, it, it's looking at the driving forces behind anybody and why why they do the things that they do or why they don't right so it, again like it, it's hard to actually put anyone 
kind of meaning onto a construct as you're trying to. But it, we, well, I'm here, Kelly. <laughs> you and I probably couldn't be more opposite with <laughs> with our view, not our views on life, because we both do agree and believe in a holistic approach for sure. And my direct experience and difficulties have, have, have shown me that. But I do have a propensity to the finite which is fine and uh, is a view to the abstract which is also great they both serve mm -hmm. um yeah but in the sure. purview in the purview of um of what you're actually asking it it is understanding like where you are in emotionality when you are potentially sitting down to actually like set your goals and wisdom would be to have have some kind of consciousness around that to integrate yourself before you go into actually doing any vision planning and to be able to bring some objective reasoning to what you're going to actually put in your systems and processes or what you're actually going to put down on paper and, and, and how that is actually attached to your teleology, whether it's your personal teleology or your business telos. Yeah? So it's, it's mm. having that awareness of those, let's just say those components to be able to create. And, and another thing that I've, I've found is great feedback and you've already discussed before Kelly is that, you know, if I'm, if I'm sitting in a conversation or just sitting with self and I notice that my uh, breath is very shallow, just in chest and it's just a couple of seconds in and out. It's that whole saying of, you know, when the breath one wanders, so does the mind, so to speak. Um, that's been a great feedback system to me to kind of go, okay, you know, what's, what's the program? What's something that's running in the back? Or is it just bad habits of breathing or my breathing patterns? Um, and then almost more importantly, though, is the feedback that I get when I'm doing this deep diaphragmic kind of into the belly breathing um, is typically, you know, when I'm doing something that's really fulfilling and I'll note that down, you know, it's great to note down what, what you are doing when you're most inspired and most fulfilled as that intuition, intuitive feedback to, basically say, okay, go in that direction or you're on the right path. It's another great feedback system. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And again, like I'm an avid breath worker and, you know, I go to breath work you know, two, three times a week and I bring awareness, bring awareness to my physiology. I bring awareness to you know, the collective around me. And so I think what you're trying to say here is that what level of awareness do you have as a, as a human in our human experience of uh, where is your mind at? Like, where is your body at? Uh, what is actually occurring for you right now? Do you have an awareness of where you are in the ratio of equanimity or equanimity in terms of uh, emotion? and perception and wisdom would be to have that first form of awareness feedback to yourself and then objectifying that and knowing okay potentially i'm outside the ratio of four to one is it wise for me to actually go into goal setting and vision planning while i'm in this state of consciousness hmm. mm. and then having the objectifying to look at no, to say, no, I am outside the ratio of perception. I'm emotional right now. I'm potentially going to have a subjective planning 
if I'm in this state, what can I do to be able to bring myself back into a ratio of emotionality and perception that is going to assist me in objectifying my future? Yeah. And yeah. That, that is with the work that we do as integrative or holistic integrative practitioners or consultants is understanding how to ask specific questions to actually equilibrate the mind and the body, right? Mm. Now, coming, coming back to, you know, like breath, like your breath is a precursor because it's a, still, it's a physiological feedback. If you tap into it and you can see if your breath, if your, if your chest breathing, it means that you're not actually breathing into the diaphragm or into the belly, that you are in a state of stress because when we aren't, our uh, parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system is in a state of equilibrium. So therefore our breath is balanced. But yeah. if, if we could also look at if your chest breathing, it means that you're, you're actually, when you do that, see what happens to you know, your, your mind, which is another form of breath work to actually go in a different place. But, Let's look at prana. What does prana mean to you, Ben? Prana, at least I've heard it wrong, breath of life. Yes, prana is a breath of life. Now, prana in the essence is when you're actually breathing in, you're breathing in charged particles of light. So breath is the fuel to the energy component within your physiology. It's like the petrol you put in your car. You run out of petrol, it doesn't go, right? So if you understand that balanced breathing and having an awareness to that, you're actively bringing in the energy source to your physiology through the charged particles of light and the atoms that are actually coming into your, into your body are the fuel for that. So if you're, if you're chest breathing or, or short uh, short breathing, you're not getting enough energy. You're not mm. getting enough fuel for that body. It's not getting the charge that it requires, like the battery is not being charged up. So it has to, then the physiology has to go, well, I've got to have to conserve energy, right? So what does it do? Mm. It starts to actually go to the organs and brain is an organ. goes, well, you're going to have to shut out that prefrontal cortex because that takes a bit of energy to run that, that show, right? So we take that out. And then so then it cuts out all these other aspects because it only has a certain amount of fuel for it to be operated by. Mm, mm. And, and I heard the other day, and being on Kelly, as far as, you know, consciousness is actually, to be uh, aware and actually conscious um, is draining. I think it was Paul Check who said, you know, sit and I think it was like counting your breaths for a minute or counting your heart rate for a minute or something like this. And, you know, it does require that thought. And I just had an interesting reflection point as you were talking, which is quite cool in, in the sense that um, I kind of connected the dots maybe a year or I don't actually know quite how long ago it was that in order to achieve our goals, it'd be wise to have an objective mind. And whether that's true or not, that's just my belief from where I had, where I was. And that's what set me off on the whole, when I met you, Kelly, the tangent of what affects an objective mind. Well, it's breath. It's your physiology, it's your integration of emotions. So this is why, you know, I'd met with a friend the other day in regards to, um, I had knee pain and I looked at the psychosomatic of that and 
but it was also it's amazing that our world i believe in society has been so geared towards towards what i call optimizers and the next thing but we quite often almost always negate and don't put enough attention on the basics and the basics are hydration full breath high quality nutrition and if you don't and you know exercise stretching mobility and if you don't have those is and then we could call it the, the mental aspect of integrative um, aspect to emotions if they don't have those basics encompassed into your day-to-day -day life then how can you effectively go ahead and build out the life that you desire because if, if behavior affects our actions right and yeah, we don't have an effective mind you're all over the show so let's just simplify it first form of feedback physiological right sure so you're objectifying the first form of feedback, which is your body. So we want to keep it in a state of homeostasis, the best form that we can. It's really the only goddamn vessel that we have to actually house our soul for us to actually live in. So wisdom would be to honor that in its form. That's why I think Mother Nature has given us that as our first form of feedback. Mm. So everything you're saying, what you consume, put in it, what you, how you breathe, how you stretch or don't stretch and what food you consume is all relevant to your first form of feedback yeah yeah it's just like i said it's just so many of us and i did for so many years just negated it like now nah, we'll just put that to the side think you know because i had this huge bias to like okay objective mind objective mind if i objective mind that'll get the actions and outcomes i was wanting um that's why i'm, I'm so biased towards it now but it's yeah. just interesting you know, like the objective mind and the subjective mind, we cannot have one without the other. They mm -hmm. are entangled. We could also say that we have conscious and we have subconscious and unconscious, right? Absolutely necessary. In um, Carl Jung, who's a beautiful teaching around these, these aspects of the psyche and understanding, you know, levels of consciousness, well worth a read if you're up for it, the red book go for it it's fucking magnificent heady deep but brilliant now it's also understanding that um the subconscious and the unconscious and the conscious are also integrated you can't separate them it's only our level of the conscious mind when we bring awareness so we have to put awareness in that now it's it's if you want to make a difference, like we have this subconscious components of, uh, let me just say, you think about your big toe right now, Ben. No, you're not, right? But the moment I say, think about your big toe, it, your big toe becomes conscious, but yet it's your big toe is actually conscious with you the whole time. But really, until we actually activate it with awareness, uh, it's, it's actually subconscious to you. Does that make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then we have the unconscious component, which is there's so much going on inside of our body that we don't even know in any given moment, right? Do you know what's happening inside one of your cells right now in terms of RNA and DNA? No, you don't, do you? Is you know that they're you know like printing off different codes and they're going through proteins and and you know assimilating proteins and that to actually run this body do you, do you are you aware of that mm, mm. no you're not so that's totally unconscious that's being operated with inside of you mm -hmm. 
But now I just yeah. brought awareness to that. So it's now in your subconscious and you automatically went and looked at, oh my God, what's happening inside my cell? Can I have a vision of that? Mm -hmm. So now I just brought awareness to it. So there's an element of consciousness that just came into that. Mm -hmm. But yet this is all going on at any one given time. Are they separated? No, they're not. It's just to the degree of our psyche that they become separated. There's one, there's a great thing that... Um... I just played out in a narrative, which was, well, you just brought something unconscious to subconscious, but just because I can now visualize it's, it's a cell doing this, you know, in the RNA, DNA printing off codes, I can't control that consciously or can you? Or can you? And this is when it comes down to epigenetics and it also comes down to the psychosomatic. And this is where knowledge comes in as power. Or as I like to say, Tony Robbins say potential power because you can have knowledge unacted upon, but at least it is in your awareness. Maximum potentiality in terms of like some of the greatest sages have actually used those words a long time. This is why I love to be an eternal philosopher and sit in the question, is that possible? Can that occur? Why or why not? Right. And the deeper we go into allowing ourselves to sit into these questions, the greater our collective consciousness, the greater our consciousness, the greater our awareness that we can actually, we can become, right? Now, I am, I must admit, you know, I get told quite rarely, you know, like you're, uh, you're very unusual, you're um, um, unique and fascinating to the level of the degree. Now, I'm not saying that that's good or bad or indifference because yes, it does give me the challenges, it is, I am an eternal truth seeker and want to understand uh, the greatest layers of the human condition in, mm. and the greatest layers of human, uh, universal laws. So, you know, it's not for everybody to go this deep, that's for sure. But the wisdom that you can actually get by allowing yourself to uh, have that potential sitting in the question is going to expand your awareness and expand your potential. Mm. And when I had learned what questions really were, which you can find out in the masterclass, that blows your mind, <laughs> especially when you learn it at the subatomic level. Uh, when you get deeper into those things, it's very cool with ions on a quest. Um, oh, that's fantastic. And, and, and this is the hard thing, Kelly, you know, sometimes when we, when we do choose a topic, because it's not just the, the, the terms that I started to fall in love with as far as, you know, being a specialist generalist, like which you've embodied for a long time, is that when someone's just a specialist in one aspect, they do become the horse with, um, you know, what do you call it, Bl blinders on and very good within their realm. But because our life in actuality is not just one vertical and it's integrated in many, many different areas, then we would start to question, you know, who do we want as a mentor or a coach? And then we have the generalist. The generalist likes to learn a little bit about everything, but might, might not go deep, not deep enough to be able to connect the dots, right? And that takes time, experience, direct experience. Uh, and that's when it becomes like, are you talking or are you, are you seeking knowledge from a talking head? And a talking head, Kelly, I believe, likes to explain as someone that loves to ingest information and learn, 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 but doesn't then go and get the direct experience 
by taking that learning and applying it to their own life. There was a, there was a mentor that I um, had learned from a while ago. Um, damn, escape escaped my mind. Oh, John Maxwell. Yep. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, he basically said, the hardest person or the hardest thing to really do is not so much in helping and serving others as trying to be basically leading by example and actually putting what you're saying in, in, into your own life, I'm paraphrasing. And it's true because it's so much easier when you're consulting others or giving advice, you're coming from the prefrontal cortex, unless you're, unless you're very unintegrated, being of service to others. When you're trying to put it on yourself, you've got blind spots, you've got all these unintegrated parts, it's very difficult. So when you can come across a mentor or a coach and a consultant that does the work and has the knowledge, this is when you can get ahead leaps and bounds because they are seeing it from a thing you call like a 5D, a real overview effect of, of one's life and where to take it. So yeah, very, yeah, totally. You know, like I've had many mentors in my life and I still do, you know, like I'm not going to grow without one. And the greatest minds on the, on the planet were versed and masterful in like many dis disciplines, not just one, right? Yeah. You want to look at like those that have been immortalized throughout time and space that are the greatest sages or the greatest teachers or the, the greatest men. Yeah. Yeah. Renaissance men that are, that have left legacies. Uh, you know, you, you go and research those people, not just men, but also women. They are masterful in many disciplines, like they're multi-potentialites and not just one. And it's, it's not the aspect of like being a specialist in, in one particular area or a specialist generalist. They are masterful in their multi-potentiality, right? So they understand that there's an entanglement in everything. And this, you go back to the all within the all, uh, the collective consciousness that we are all entangled. And so the information is available in all of these disciplines. And, you know, I, that's what my saying is I prefer not to be one label because you can't put me in a box, remove the box completely. I am polymathical in nature and multi-potential multi across many disciplines, which head fucks most people because I am versed to be able to converse in, in many different aspects, you know, and there's still stuff that I don't know that um, I'm also a complete idiot at as well. So that's me still on my journey of learning. And mm -hmm. I know I'm never going to stop in, in that because um, I'm in the continual aspect of the mystery, right? And I'm, um, as I integrate one mystery and create it, turn it into history, then I know I'm onto the next layer and that goes on ad infinitum, right? And you could say that potentially I'm on, on the pathway of the truth, but then I also have this understanding through, you know, like the universal laws and, and physics and subatomic, subatomic particles that there is really no truth, right? Um, we have this approximation to it. We can, we can get so close, but yet there is uh, a continuation because I think mm. if something was finite, it would be the end. But mm. there is no end. There's this constant remodeling that occurs, like remodeling and growth. 
yeah. transformation. It's it is transformation. Yeah, I think that's what also added. Um, Thanks. So it kind of adds some some context to when I said I have a bias towards objectivity. I guess it's actually knowing that it's all entwined. What I kind of more mean is uh, uh, attaining at times more a level of neutrality in the mind. If you're seeking to achieve something or seeking to do some some real prefrontal cortex work, you know, planning, strategizing, executing. This is what I mean. Um, which kind of when you said that birth the thought of you know, I come from the world, at least of, you know, from personal training into, um, well, at least the world or understanding coaching, consulting, marketing, that world. And there's just so many strategies and tactics that get taught. That's really the big thing that gets taught in that world, strategies and tactics, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you put me onto a book the other week, um, Chris Voss, I believe, in a negotiation book. And there was one sentence, I almost stopped reading it after I read that, but it was so true, the fact that he said, but all this was useless unless you can have and obtain an, 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 an objective mind. Mm -hmm. And this is like the, this has only been my direct experience, but also what I see massively on the online world in this space is that so many strategies and tactics are being taught, but people do not have governance over their mind to employ and implement the strategies and tactics which is what i see the big floor to be um and that's why i'm kind of on my path Can i just i just want to ask you a question what does an objective mind mean to you both-sided i mean that's what to see both sides or or aware of of both sides or having awareness that there's two sides to everything okay great so let's take that and put it into goal setting now what does it mean to you that you can see both the, the downs, the drawbacks and the benefits of that goal, achieving that goal. Now let's put systems inside of the goal setting with an objective mind. Now, what does it mean to you? Systems. Don't have one, not off the top of my head. Great, perfect. Isn't that interesting? What's yours on systems? So here we go, like we, we're talking about like systems theory and in the construct that you just uh, talked about is that in terms of marketing, there's all these systems and processes. Um, unless you have an objective mind, then you're not able to going to be able to achieve, right? So what is the purpose of systems with an objective mind? that they execute a, a, a desired outcome. But in the moment of the system is there not both objectivity in them as well, that there's gonna be a benefit and a drawback to that system going into a business. Yeah, okay, got it. Okay, so in the construct of the human mind, what it wants to do is that system's gonna save me from something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the system is going to create chaos and order as it is in system theory. There is also chaos and order and everything. Now, it, what it is going to create along the way is uh, support and challenge, right? right? As we know, as we actually install a system or bring anything new into the business, there's going to be an element of chaos and an element of challenge that goes with it. Or if we don't know, we're in a subjective mind and we think that that system is going to rescue us. Mm -hmm. And therefore, when it comes to, oh, my God, we have to implement this system with all the strategies and, and the 
processes and the subsystems and the components that are need to put that in but that hasn't really been thought out like with most people they just go oh it's going to rescue me that's a fantasy so that's a subjective fantasy based goal but when we can actualize like yes i can see that there's going to be a little bit there's going to be chaos there's going to be challenge alongside of flow alongside of support and that is going to create a pathway of growth for my business because mm. we're in transcendence and transformation and any transformation is going to have an objective structure behind it. Mm -hmm. Objective is to have both sides, challenge and support, chaos and order. It's funny how this is, um, that example you just gave showed up. I've had the direct experience of, um, of paid advertising on Facebook and I knew all the knowledge, well, I say all, I, I knew the, the knowledge behind doing it. But because I had seen Facebook ads, will, um, it was so subjective, it will save me financially, that the system I put into place, it had worked. But, you know, my per click, you know, what I was paying per click went up. All these ratios and what I was paying actually went up. So I was spending a lot more than what my guru, my person said, you'd be spending on it. You know, the environment had changed, all these different things. So I had attracted or I hadn't seen this downside of, let's just say, spending money on Facebook ads, even though I thought I had this system that would get this result. Um, it's just one example of a system, the chaos of, of a system. Yeah. So circling back to the beginning of our conversation here is the precursor to goal setting is, is looking at um, the consciousness of the person that we want to actually step into goal setting so that they have an understanding of what objectivity is and what subjectivity is. Now, one of the biggest things that I think is, is I don't think, I'm just gonna say it fucking is, is a fallacy out there is uh, fantasy-based goal setting or optimistic, optimistic based goal setting or hedonistic based goal setting. You know, it's like a carrot stick, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow right that is the biggest killer to actually bring in and attract the opposing forces that are unseen to actually maintain homeostasis or balance right wisdom and the greatest minds on the planet actually you knew this still know this still utilize it grow their businesses in a format that is objective they look at both sides they understand their emotionality their emotional intelligence their level of consciousness before they step into anything. Mm. And, the, and the mind fuck around what you just said was that there are teachers and gurus that do know this or knowledge or whoever you want to call them that don't teach that either because they know that it's on the path and they're just the, whoever they're talking to is not ready for that, which I think can really um, confuse people. Right. Yes. We're both experienced. Uh, yep. Totally. Heaven and hell. Simple. Yeah. It's, it's basically sending you the sugar pill that if you, if you do this, you're going to get, you've got heaven. If you don't, you're going to go to hell. Well, heaven and hell side by side, challenge and support. Whatever terminology you want to put in those words, it, it's just a simple construct that is universal in nature. That is, if we go back again to that uh, universe is wanting to actually abhor a vacuum, maintain equilibrium, bring back to a state of balance.
one over affinity, infinity over one. Mm. So to wrap this up, as far as my feedback to, to those listening and, and, and kind of where to start, we'll call it my finite view, have a real good look that if you're not achieving what you're achieving, at least start with look at your breath, look at your nutrition, are you exercising, are you hydrating, are you sleeping well? Because we need to start there with getting the body good before we can then move on to mental, emotional integration, and then we can move into, okay, what do I want to master for my life? That would be my way to wrap up my version of it. I love the fact that Benji comes from the finite and physical matter body. And what I'm going to say is, is that the mind and the body are not separate. And uh, it's wisdom to actually have an integration of both and to, is to look at how can you bring balance and uh, order to your physiology at the same time with your mind. Or mm -hmm. how can you bring order to your mind at the same time with your physiology? Mm -hmm. if, you, if you're not overwhelmed, if I can, that's what I find with individuals. To me, and really, it's hard though, right? It depends on what knowledge people have, where they're at with the awareness. That's why I just say at least start there because it just becomes another fucking rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, you know, I understand I'm not for everybody and I've had a few feedbacks on that. It's great, you know, like perfect. And uh, this, these conversations are deep and they are complex sometimes and they can be abstract, but yet we bring in the finite to it. And I thank Ben for actually being the interpreter in some form to bring some finite to it. And uh, it's just say, you know, like to bring some uh, subjective component to it as well. 100%. Awesome. Is there anything else? Did that answer your question about like going back to the, the precursor to goal setting? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just, again, it's because goal setting is prefrontal cortex in nature and requiring strategy and, and, and that part of the brain. Um, it's almost impossible to do if you're stuck in the, in the limbic or in a highly emotional state. Well, you can do it there, but you'll be uh, you'll get the feedback that you set a fantasy, for example. Yeah, exactly. If you're if you're in the limbic system, um, setting goals from subjectivity and from self-preservation, you will create a nightmare. Simple. Yeah, love it. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of the Human Source Codex. We'll see you next time. If you do have any questions or topics that you would love for us to uh, discuss or jump in on, please uh, put them in the comments um, below or anywhere that you're listening to this. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Thanks for your time, Kelly. You're welcome. Ciao. Ciao.